What a moment. What a moment for Taylor Davis. First major league home run. Welcome to Show and Go. I'm sorry this was not on Tuesday. Been a wacky week with me at the WBC and Taylor Davis coming to us from Bradenton, Florida. Today is Friday, March 24th. We'll be back to the Tuesday-Friday setup next week, of course, with Taylor and I on Tuesday and an interview guest on Friday. But Taylor, why are you in Bradenton right now? Yeah, I am officially Coach TD. How about that? So I'm going to be uh, like the hitting coach. I'm going to be a baseball coach for the Complex League. So, uh, yeah. And I think that's like... That is so you, man. And I know that you have so many post-playing aspirations. And now that second chapter of your career starts. Was that like a scary thing to get into? And what's the first week been like? Uh, it was, I mean, I don't know if it was scary. It was different. You know, it was, it was a different uh, a different path. You know, early in the offseason, I wasn't ready. Um, and I kind of got, you know, made peace with it. Um but, you know, and I, you saw me interact with guys last year. I've always felt like in the past few years that my communication has just really upped itself. And I have found a really good way to communicate with players and staff and front office, but not just with them, but between all of them and, and really try to use context clues to help uh, different groups understand different concepts. And so, you know, I, I was excited to do this. Um, like you said, I do have aspirations. I, I, you know, I've said it on here before, but I want to be a major league manager. I think that would be incredibly cool. And, um, you know, this is just the first step to that, but yeah, it's been, it's been different for sure. You know, and like, I'm going to be in the FCL. I haven't been outside of triple a since 2017, 2015, 16, I was between double a and triple a. Right. As a 14, I was all double a. So like, I'm going to be with guys that I haven't seen in almost 10 years. Um, players that are that age so it'll be interesting to see but uh you know i'm excited um it's been so much less stressful watching these games yeah i don't have to worry about hitting the fastball anymore i can just yell at somebody for not hitting it it's <laughs> that's a perfect way to go about it um your day also changes entirely because you are not rolling up for a 7 p.m game anymore and i think that's the most underrated thing about this the games of the complex I mean, this is like these guys' first taste of doing nothing but professional baseball. If they are, you know, American, if they're, you know, from Latin countries, they'll be in the DSL and then they'll come stateside. So, so much is it, so much of it is, you know, just being at the complex first thing in the morning, almost treating it as a work day. So instead of rolling up to the ballpark at two and being there until 1030 or 11 p.m., you're like grabbing your lunch pail and you're going to work at nine or or earlier and then you're getting out at four or five, right? Absolutely. Um, games are at noon. So, um, you know, it, it's relatively just a spring training, you know, it, it's extended spring training. And then the FCL is also um, extended spring training kind of in a sense, but yeah, the games are early. So that means you get your early work in. Um, it's nice. But like you said, it's a lot of these guys first times that they've done just baseball or they've done just baseball in America. So this is, um, you know, this is as much about integrating yourself into a completely different culture or a brand new job um, as it is figuring out professional baseball. You know, I, I think um, I think one of the things that's so underrated about about our sport is that, like, um, you know, the Latin American guys that come over here, 
you know, even the Asian guys that come over here, when, when you come over here from a different country, you're not just learning how to do this crazy athletic thing that you're so blessed to be able to do, but you're trying to integrate yourself in a society that you know nothing about for the most part. Right. And, and, you know, I, it takes some really strong minded individuals to be able to do that. I, I, I have so much, you know, early in my career, I really, I always thought, man, like, why do all the Latin guys sit together? Why don't they, why don't they hang out with us? Then I wouldn't play winter ball. And I was, I specifically remember sitting in a game of winter ball and I'm like talking to somebody and I, and I was in the corner of the dugout and I looked to the left and all of the American dudes were sitting together in the corner of the dugout. And I'm like, dude, like we are now in their world. Now it makes sense to me why they did this in, in our place. And um, that was an eye opener for me, but I'm excited to hopefully be able to make a change, you know, make a difference for some of these guys and sure. be, a, be a sounding board. If nothing else, you know, I've, I've, my career took a lot of ups and downs. And so there were a lot of, there's a lot of different groups of people that I can connect with because of my career. You know, I was a, I was a non-drafted free agent. I was a guy that turned down getting drafted out of high school and didn't get drafted out of college. And then I ended up having parts of five seasons in the big leagues. So, you know, I, I, I can help with a little bit of everything. You said you have gone through pretty much every transaction in major league baseball, right? You were, drafted then you signed as an undrafted free agent you signed as a free agent you were traded you were dfa'd um you were optioned um and released the only one i didn't get was i never got claimed you never got claimed no so i got designated but i didn't get claimed so i cleared both times i got designated i cleared interesting okay and we never got to arbitration which is something that i i still feel like we have time to change so We'll figure that out, man. But fully, you know, being honest, like we are so lucky to have you with the Just Baseball Network, because, again, you went through so much as a player, like you saw every single side of it. I do think you're going to be a major league manager. I know everybody else at Just Baseball thinks you're going to be a major league manager. And I I know that there are a bunch of other people in the circles that you have existed in, whether it is the minor league circles. You know, I've talked to people in Indianapolis that are like, yeah, that, that guy's a rocket ship. I've talked to people in Chicago media when you did get up with the Cubs. They're like, that is one of my all-time favorite guys that made a cameo with the Cubs. So I, I think you are destined for excellent things in baseball, even after that chapter closes. And now maybe the best silver lining, your workout regimen gets to change mightily, right? So the fun, one of the funnier things I said to my wife before I left, I go, you know what, babe, this is so nice. Like, you know, I don't have to worry about working out. Not that I worked out before, but I don't have to feel bad about not working out. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, what are you going to change? So you were like, I mean, you were probably as a catcher, you were squatting consistently, right? Squatting absolutely sucks. I'm squatting consistently. Like as far as the gym goes, I was as non-existent in the gym as anybody in the history of America. Oh, Taylor. <laughs> Jim, Jim didn't do it for me. If you ask my college coach, that was like the one place where he would get mad at me because I'd like show up at, I mean, they were freaking like 6 a.m. lifts, but I'm showing up at 6 a.m. sleeping on the, the bench, the, the bench freaking thing until I, until I have to start the lift, like over it, dude. I don't do lift. That was not my thing. That was 
my thing was about figuring out how to be the most normal individual in the world that was really good at playing this sport. And you know what? I had a lot of fun doing it for a long time. You wanted to fit the uh, you wanted to fit the Tim Wakefield R.A. Dickey mold. R.A. Dickey's like I don't think he was the best example. Everybody was watching Dickey in that Cy Young caliber season that he had and was like, oh, I could do that. No, you can't. That was an 80 mile an hour knuckleball. But people saw Tim Wakefield and was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. That was just a normalized dude that happened to be really good at something in the game. I Yeah, I mean, there's a chance that you see a knuckleball this year in Indy with Matt Eckelman, man. True. Uh, and then Matt Waldron, it, it was pretty funny. Matt Waldron is in the Dodgers organization now. He was the player to be named later in that big Mike Clevenger trade. And he was in Fort Wayne, which is the Padres high A when I got there. And Waldron was like 95 and a decent pitch mix. But apparently in spring training, he was just like fucking around with a knuckleball. And like the right person was watching. was like, do it again. Do it again. And all of a sudden he's a knuckleballer now. That's how I mean, honestly, the Eckelman thing, like, you know, I, I kind of brought up to the staff, like, hey, you know, you know, he throws one, right? And somebody said, well, I think somebody said, like, well, I heard, you know, about maybe and said, no, 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 like he he throws one, throws one. And, you know, Eckelman went from from pitching every seventh day in, in Indy to having a chance to be a starter in the pirate system that isn't shallow. So, you know, it's a it's a good place to be for him, and he's the perfect guy to do that. You know, he's a guy that'll if you let him, he'll he'll throw that pitch for twenty years. Yeah. Um, so you know, and and what a guy to have in the clubhouse for the next twenty years. So sure, I um transition here. I've got a Tim Wakefield jersey in my closet, um, and, and we were talking right before we hit record about the jersey thing. Are you allowed to wear other people's jerseys? That type of thing? Because I was. Showing you cards, Just Baseball has uh, a card partner, and we were doing um, a rip with them, and I got like a James Wood. This is a Bowman Chrome first, not autographed, and this is, you know, worth close to 100 bucks, I think. And and we were just talking about like, we, we both kind of think that's a little odd. And obviously, if any of the players are listening to this right now, you've probably gone through signing cards I walked to the ballpark with you a couple of times and I remember you signing like scrapbooks full of, you know, your cards laminated and you're just ripping the Sharpie across all of them. Um, it, it's a very unique thing. I had a buddy say to me, why would I purchase a photo of another grown man doing their job? And then that got us to the Jersey thing. So where do you stand on card collecting and where do you stand on, on jerseys? Uh, I, you know, card collecting right now, like if you're collecting to make money and I don't mind, like that's, you're in a great spot to do it. And then, you know, certain, I don't know. I don't like, I don't hate signed cards. Yeah. Uh, the Jersey thing is just funny to me. I never even like really thought two things of it. And then one of my buddies, um, like the a big facility in Louisville that I hit at called Legends, um, one of my good buddies, Matt Wilson owns it. And he cannot and he like he came to a few spring trainings he used to come all the time to like watch me play and stuff and he cannot stand grown men in jerseys and it it, it grinds him and i just thought that was so funny because you know and then i started thinking about it and i was like i mean i i guess i get it but like i would wear like football jerseys to the i guess i don't as much now but i used to want to wear football jerseys 
Yeah, I mean, fair. So who's your team? Who's your Hold on. Before we get, let me tell you what my Jersey pet peeve is. Okay. My Jersey pet peeve is when you wear a Jersey or a hat of a team that is not one of the two that is playing to that game. I've got a problem. I have an issue with that. Yes, I have a problem with that as well. You're watching watching the, the Indianapolis Indians play the Louisville Bats and you're wearing a Chicago Cubs jersey. I can I can understand it from a minor league lens because minor league baseball is like generic baseball, right? Yeah, a lot of fans but what you, but what it, okay, I, I would say I'm okay with that if it's Indianapolis playing Iowa. Yeah, for sure. Because a Cubs jersey is pretty much an Iowa Cubs jersey. You know what I mean? Like a Pirates jersey. I, I don't disagree with that, but I'm saying, what if you're wearing a Cubs jersey and it's the it's the Reno Aces playing the Las Vegas so I'm I'm okay with that just because it's hey you know maybe we're in town I'm a Cubs fan but I want to go see a minor league baseball game I've got some baseball paraphernalia but my problem is if you go to Rockies Diamondbacks and you're wearing a Cubs jersey why yeah like what are you are you a fan of sports it's the Rob Lowe NFL hat right that's exactly what's going on there um let's jump back to your jerseys no so I hear you on that. I'm okay with grown men wearing jerseys, but I have like a hard and fast rule that you cannot wear a jersey of somebody younger than you. So I cannot buy a Julio Rodriguez jersey. I love watching Julio play, but I'm not. Uh, I So Chris Sale is like, if I'm wearing a White Sox jersey, I'm wearing a Chris Sale jersey because he's 30, I'm 25. Or a Mark Burley jersey, because that was my, like, OG guy. If, but, you, if, you get a, if, if you get the Chris Sale jersey, are you cutting it up? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, if – I don't know. So, Tim Anderson, older than me. Um, Cease, older than me. But, you know, if you are – first time I noticed this, I was playing um, I was playing high school baseball, and a teammate's dad showed up in a Mike Trout jersey. I was like, what are, what are we doing here? And I, I turned to that kid. I was like, yo, your dad actually wearing that? That's kind of weird. <laughs> and he was like, why? And then I realized I was just being an asshole. But I do think it's kind of weird when you see a 40-year-old wearing a Shohei Otani jersey. I, I Here's what I'll say is I understand why people think that I do. It just doesn't bother me, but I understand it. Like, I could see where you look at it and you go, all right, like, what – I'm I'm 50. He's 22. What are we doing here? Yeah, I but saw. That. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me as bad. I guess I don't know. You are which is funny because the thing that does bother me is you wearing an actual like meaningful jersey. Right. Um, also, you have gone true Florida man, just drinking out of the gallon of water. Good for you. Do you want to let me tell you this story? This is funny. The reason that I have a gallon of water is because. Um, the, the Pirates, very thankful, but the Pirates got me, like, a place to stay for the first, like, couple weeks I'm down here. And uh, it's on the third floor of an apartment complex, and there's no elevator. Dude. So we went to the gas. My mom actually came and uh, met me in town when I got here, and we went to the gas station. And I went to get a whole bunch of – a whole bunch – a case of water. And my mom goes, don't forget, you're on the third floor. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I bought two gallons, and I'm just working through them slowly so I don't have to go get more. 
And I don't want to use the. I don't want to pour it into a cup of uh, like a. I use a cup. I don't need. It's just me. Yeah, you're. I hear you. It's not worth it. And like, you know, I think it's less. I think it's. I think it's less of of Florida Taylor and more of just Taylor without his family here, so I don't have to worry about being clean. Yeah, I can just leave my. I can just leave my water there. My wife's gonna hate that when she listens to this. I can just leave my water here open, right? I got like I'd show you, but I'd get yelled at. But like I got like chicken wings that I just ate, I haven't put them up yet. Where, where, but I just ate them. I just ate them. Okay. All right. Like, you ate them. You called, but like, yeah. I mean, I got uh, I got a box of macaroni and cheese ready to go for this You're evening. Life like a bachelor right now. I yeah. I really like this. Is like. It's so funny too. Like I barely turn the TV on. Like I just kind of sit here. Man, look at you. Um, so I just got back from the state of Florida. I was at the WBC. Um, I, I'm sure you were keeping tabs on that yeah, as you were going through the move. And you were texting me, you know, during that WBC final that was Japan and the US. What were your takeaways? And then I'll fill in, you know, where I can having been there. Uh, I, I thought uh, you know. I think that game was – I think that – I think this World Baseball Classic was one of the bigger things probably to happen to our game since since the – what was it, the 98 home run race? Yes, um, 98. I, that was Sosa I really McGuire. Think, I really think that this, this is going to bring a lot of people back to baseball um, because it was so fun. There were so – you know, like I said, I think the cool part was that everybody kind of beat everybody. And and that was fun to watch. And then, you know, the biggest takeaway for me was, you know, the, the best player of our generation to end the game with a full count, two outs in the ninth inning and strike out on three pitches, which he has done in 0.039% of his at-bats in his career as he swung and missed three pitches. Yeah, swing and missed three times, yeah. And he uh, to do that against Shohei, to me that was changing of the guard. That was Mike. You were the best player in baseball, and like it was theatrical to me. Like it honestly, like looked like a movie when I was watching it. Like it was that was as cool a moment. And I think I told you this, but like that was as cool a moment as I have been a part of in this game. Yes, and, and I mean, dude, think about it, like. So many players can say that and they weren't even in attendance for it. You know what I mean? Like they weren't on the field for that. But just seeing that, that was probably so fulfilling as a baseball player, knowing that the common media, the common perception among the public right now is, oh, the game is outdated because it's too slow and too boring. That was drama out the ass. It was perfect. And that's exactly what the game needed. Um I'm with you. It, it did feel like a changing of the guard. And I do think that it was incredibly important and it should drive people back to the game. I say that it should drive people back to the game because, you know, I think that the pitch clock is going to help a lot. And I think this with no pitch clock immediately going into baseball that is quote unquote less meaningful, but with the pitch clock, is going to be great because they will immediately see 
a better product for the fan after that. And that was the best product that I think baseball has put out maybe since 1998. Um, I think the World Baseball Classic might have lacked the the firepower like the sense of importance before this tournament i think a lot of people were saying like oh yeah it's a fun it's a fun little preseason tournament that we do but it didn't really feel like the olympics for hockey or it didn't feel like the world cup for soccer i think it did start to feel like the biggest non-mlb thing in baseball i agree with you i worry that altuve and edwin diaz have just completely taken it off the uh, taking it off the board for for future MLB players. But then, what about like Nimmo and Reese Hoskins? And I know that you're going to do spring training all the time. But I just, I just, if I'm an owner, if I'm an owner, I'm looking at that and saying that's an area that I can cut out. That I know that there's an you know, I know I can control your variables better when you're around me. I think that's the reality. That's what I'm looking at. If I'm an owner, if I'm a general manager, I'm saying I can. I can control most of the variables. I would feel much more comfortable with you being here. Uh, but like, I'll also tell you this, even if I'm not an owner, like I think if you're a player, you now have to look harder into this. Like, you know, we talked about this before, but like the players that have already gotten paid, they're just trying to win. Yeah. So like Edwin Diaz doesn't care about Edwin Diaz is going to make his money. So he didn't care if he, made 23 million or if he, you know, whatever it was um, because he, he wanted to win. And so I, I think you're going to lose that too. Like I, if I'm Mike Trout, like, am I going to tell my teammates, Hey, I don't know that I want you to do that. Like I, I understand that guys get hurt in spring training, but you can't um, not have spring training, I guess. Like that's going to be there. Right. You can't not have spring training, but you can not have the World Baseball Classic is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of fear, I think if it was just Edwin Diaz in that freak incident, I don't think we're really talking about it as much. Yeah. After Altuve gets hurt, after Arenado has to come out of the game, I know he was thankful he was okay. But I just, I, if I'm, I'm looking at it at, from now, from this side, thinking, I don't, I, that was a big deal. to Yeah. My thought is, okay, like you deal with that and owners are obviously looking out for the well-being of the New York Mets or the Houston Astros or the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Like that's how you got to view Altuve breaking his thumb. Oh, damn. Now the Astros are in a worse spot. Um, DS, that freak injury, you immediately go to, what does this mean for the Mets? Um, and I don't think that there's going to be a hard and fast change here where owners are like, no, I love the game. And that was the best version of the game. Let's make sure that this keeps on going because no matter how big of a baseball fan an owner or a GM is, it's a bad business decision to say, I don't care. Go ahead and get hurt representing your country. I mean, we talked about it. Uh, I think, uh, you mean Aram talked about it a little bit, but like, you know, Steve Cohen didn't want his Mets players going. Yeah. And show me a bigger fan that's an owner exactly. right now. Exactly. Steve Cohen. You because know, he knew the risk. 100%. And he, well, I just think he, he knew that there was a risk. And there being a risk was just not worth his business. And so, like, and here's what I'll say, too, is, you know, I, I don't know Steve at all. I hope to get to know him at some point. But 
I I kind of wonder if the this the conversation with Steve this time was more, hey, I really don't want you to go. You know, I understand if you want to represent your country, I'm going to allow you to go, but I just want you to know I don't want you to go because this this is there's a there's a fear there. And I wonder if now that conversation turns to, yeah, we're not going to let you go. Yeah, which would suck. It, it would be really unfortunate because I think you saw how many people wanted so badly to represent their country. Sandy threw in the first game for the Dominican Republic. You know what I mean? So you, you look at the pitcher front, Shohei Otani started two games and then closed out the WBC final. You Darvish came out of the bullpen in the WBC final. And, and you've got guys like that and – you know, you can make the argument that the U.S. team, granted Harper was hurt, it couldn't get necessarily better. I think you got the best American bats. I think you got the best Venezuelan bats and the best Dominican bats. Um, and, and the only guys that that bowed out were Vladdy because of injury and Harper because of injury. Um, so I don't think any of the bats said no. I think you could see it with the American pitching staff that's where you ran into some serious issues in terms of guys committing to it. I don't know if that changes much at all, because again, any pitch can be the one that does it for you. And especially when you are fighting for a contract, you probably feel a lot better is if you are wearing the uniform of the team that is looking to pay you. Um, having said all that, I think that this tournament is just so important because that brought back the childlike fandom that I had an experience in a long time. And, you know, I talked about this on a, on a podcast appearance that I did. And the, the last time that I truly felt like that sensation of, Hey, why do I love baseball? It was Burley's perfect game in 2009. And that's 14 years ago. I hadn't felt that sensation from Burley's perfect game until Trout faced Otani in the final. And that was when that childlike joy where I couldn't stop myself from smiling came back. And if you can do that for fans, and I'm sure, you know, there are other fans that have tons of different moments like that. And some might've been last year. If you're an Astros fan and the Astros won the world series and it wasn't, you know, clouded by smoke, that was probably like sweet release. And you probably couldn't stop yourself from smiling. But I think there is something to be said that casual baseball fans probably felt that, Oh my God, I love sports moment during that tournament. No doubt. I mean, I, I think for sure. I think if you were, if you were not a baseball fan, you could have turned that on and, and still enjoyed it. I think that was a cool part about the World Baseball Classic, especially if you were from one of those foreign countries and you saw how crazy those those stadiums were getting. Um, that was a really cool thing. And honestly, I'm not an Astros fan, but I thought the playoffs last year had a few games that you could point to as as games that were like as exciting as we've seen. Um, you know, I love watching those extra inning games, those one nothing games, those two one games, like the Jeremy Pena game. Are you kidding me? I think we Jordan, could, how about the Jordan walk off against Robbie Ray? The Jordan walk off. I mean, I, I think you had multiple games in there that to me that were just all time. I, I really do. I really felt like there were some all time games last offseason that kind of got me back to wow, like this is sick. This is incredible, you know. Yeah. Um I don't know. Baseball's coming back, man. It's gonna it's gonna come back. Like it, it, it's it's you know. um let's talk injuries for a moment here. Uh because obviously like obliques have been a thing and, and soft tissues have been a thing, especially in you know the the now 
two and three spring trainings uh, post COVID. Um, 2021, obliques and soft tissues began to be very present. 2022, it was the year of the oblique until this past spring just kind of trumped it. I think we have 15 oblique injuries at this point in spring training, and that trumps last year's number by a couple, I think. You said you've never dealt with an oblique thing. Have you ever dealt with like a soft tissue injury? And, and I guess talking to other players that have, where does it stem from? Does it stem from workload increasing too quickly or what's the deal? Uh, I think it just depends. But I mean, the reality is you can't pull fat. So I was okay. Um, but I've had, I've had no obliques, thankfully, but I know that obliques are the worst. And, you know, the problem with obliques is that they, you, they're everything you do. You know, you get up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you shower, you lay down. Everything you do, you're using your oblique. So it's just so hard to turn it off to let it heal. That's why they're, that's why they bug you for so long. I had a soft tissue injury in my um, hand uh, in 2016. I missed like six weeks and I like, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. I didn't, I x-rays were fine and, and um, everything was good, but like they just, it, it, I couldn't do anything. And I, I remember I went to a hand specialist. Remember Gabby Douglas, that name, the gymnast? The gymnast, yeah. She won, didn't she win all around gold in 16 yeah. before Biles? Yeah. She, she, uh, this guy did a, a wrist surgery for her. Just a quick shout out. Uh, but, Gabby Douglas. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, he goes in, uh, he went in my hand. He goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to shoot some numbing cream or some numbing stuff into your hand. Um, he goes, so, and, and here's what's going to happen. He said, one of two things. One, I'm going to shoot it in here and it's going to work. It's going to, it's going to numb it. We're going to know, or, yeah. or we're going to shoot it in here and it's not going to do anything. Or we're going to have to figure out what to go from there. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds sick. And then he walked away to go get it. And I thought about it and I'm like, hold on, he's going to stick a needle into the part that hurts the absolute worst. And if it does work. That means we know what's wrong, but we can't fix it. If it doesn't work, that means he just stuck a needle in the part of my hand that hurts the worst. Yeah, thankfully it it it, uh, it numbed it. But I, like I said, I missed six weeks. Like, and the hand was kind of the same thing. Like, you, I couldn't do anything without my hand, so it wasn't like I could even worry. It was my left hand, so I couldn't yeah. even catch bullpens. Like, I, I could, I was useless. Um, the oblique stuff, you know, we're doing so many different things in training. Um, the swings are different. The, the pitching, the, the mechanics are different yeah. and guys are for the most part, you know, you see it all, all the time. So many guys are just trying to throw and hit and run and do everything as hard and as fast as they can right away. Um, it's dangerous, man. It's really dangerous. And, you know, these kids don't get that. And, and the really dangerous part about that is that you get a kid, especially at this point in spring, you get a kid that, that pulls his oblique. And he tries to come back three days too early because he thinks he has to break and, and he's out for another two months. Um, and, you know, you can't blame the kid. I get it. Like he's trying to make sure that he can, you know, keep playing and that's his career, but um, obliques are tough, man. Well, and, and soft tissue in general, you mentioned it's so finicky. Like you have to come back at the perfect time. If you try it too early, it's going to bite you. Um you know, what is like the healing process like for that? It's probably super frustrating because you're you're sitting there waiting for something to feel right again. And then you probably still have to wait a couple days, weeks. 
Yeah, the oblique is is so much about uh, rest, treatment, and you know you're getting some medications to try to help just calm you to to then reset. And um, once you do that, it's just basically so much testing of that oblique, right? And you know the the scary part is that it has to be gone because you know I talk about this all the time, but we actually learned about it today. Um, you know, it's really scary for guys to try to play and and not get hurt. You need to be able to play full go, not worried about getting hurt. When you play not to get hurt, that's how you start to tense up or use muscles or use um, things that you don't normally use. And that's how you get hurt. Um, and so, you know, it is like you said, it's so time-based and time-oriented and making sure that you just feel right and you don't feel anything. Um, because the last thing you want is to go through your, your progression where you are really um, compensating and you get healthy and you go to your first game and you take your first swing and you're out of the, you're out of the game. Um, you know, that's what you're trying to stay away from. And, you know, sometimes it happens. It, it does, but, um, you know, uh, the other thing I'll say is, you know, the, most of these training staffs are so talented and there's so many people and so many doctors and so many resources that, um, as long as you are willing to ask and, and try to get better, they're going to do everything they can in their power, which, you know, for most of these teams is quite a bit when it comes to the medical side to get you right. For sure. Um, there are a lot of unique injuries in that regard. Um, the other one that jumps out to me is a hamate. And, yeah. and a hamate can literally be what broken by just swinging too hard, right? You can get. Yeah, you don't even have to, it doesn't even have to be. I mean, yeah, it basically like where you hold the bat can put pressure on the hamate. Uh, there's all types of stuff that can hurt your handmate. And the funny thing is that if you don't uh, play baseball, tennis, or golf, you wouldn't even really recognize that you had a handmate. So it's like an appendix. It serves like no purpose, right? Once you get most, it removed. Most, most, yeah. most people when they hurt it, they just get it taken out. They don't get it fixed. And that's it. Which like, I mean, you should. And like, you know, why? I, I, I was with somebody the other day that they got it fixed. And I'm like, why? Like, why wouldn't you just get taken out so you don't break it again? Right. Right. I, I had, um, I was talking to Carter Bins, who's in the Pirates. Yeah. He said he broke both handmates. And I think he has both handmates out. Yep, he does. And I asked him, actually, I said, when, so I played with, you know, Victor Caratini. I got to the big leagues because Victor Caratini hurt his, broke his handmate. And I kind of wondered why Victor wouldn't, he's a switch hitter. Why wouldn't you just go ahead and get them both taken out? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I understand not wanting to, to do surgery, but yeah. Where is it? So it's, it's, it's like, right, it's like right here, I believe. Yeah. And it holds, and it holds ligament. It, it, and it holds ligament. It's a little um, like C shape, U shape, and it holds ligaments in, in the middle of it. It's so weird, man. Yeah. So when it chips off, it, it kills. Yeah. And I'm sure that, it restricts absolutely everything you do. So if you were to deal with like a left handmate thing, it would probably hurt like hell whenever you caught a pitch. It would probably hurt a little bit, but it, it doesn't really affect you. When you. That's what I'm saying. It really doesn't affect you. When you do Like I was told that you could break now. This is an exaggeration, but like relatively anybody that doesn't play baseball, golf or tennis wouldn't know that they broke a hand, like wouldn't know that they had broken a handmate. Hmm. Um, like they, it would affect them no in no way, right? It may hurt them, but like it wouldn't affect them doing anything. Gotcha. Um, that holding a golf club, you know, holding a, you know, the interesting thing about tennis is that the reason, you know, because tennis, 
uh, is a very similar motion to baseball. Like the, the back hip, right? Well, the serve too um, yep. is very similar. But the reason that that they don't have as many elbow injuries is because they don't let go of the weight. They don't let go of the projectile. Interesting. Okay. So that helps slow them down. Yeah, and I'm sure it probably puts a little bit less tension on the UCL because you can like kind of feel it. If you were to hold oh, it sure. and you grip tight, you can feel that through your forearm run right here. On and then head. just imagine, you know, your arm is moving how fast. And as soon as you let go of that ball, it goes even faster because you have no ball. Right. Right. That's very weird, man. The, the anatomy of baseball. And it is uh it's a finicky sport. We've seen some guys go down with, with handmates and oblique so far this spring, but we are uh, less than a week from opening day, which is really exciting. I think the Tuesday episode, we should just talk about opening day, man. We've got all the pitching matchups in place. What could, what could we do, like top five opening day games or something? We should do something. Why not, What's man? It? I've got yeah. Framber Valdez and Dylan C circled like 10 times in Sharpie. Excellent ball game. Hey, I saw – I saw. Um... Who was it? Was it Jack? Did, not Jack. Was it uh was it you? It wasn't you that posted the your favorite matchups, was it? No. That was um was it Peter? Yeah, I think it was Peter posted his favorite matchups. And yeah. Frammer yeah. and Cease were both on there. There's some good yeah. pitching. I mean I say that. It's like, dude, it's opening day. <laughs> yes, right. everybody's best pitcher is pitching. Right. Correct. And you know, for some teams, the best pitcher is, you know, a, a guy that may be the five in another rotation, maybe out of another rotation. But when you do get those true ace offs, it's a thing of beauty. And you really only get them all in one place on opening day, which is super exciting. So Taylor Davis, enjoy the weekend in Bradenton. And we'll talk to these folks uh, next week. It is a-